<laughs> Hello everyone, and welcome God dang it. Welcome back to the Starving Writers Guild Anime, Manga, and Comics Podcast. I had just spent five minutes wondering well, why am I not getting the message that you know this the bot is recording like it's supposed to? Like what, what am I doing wrong? It's like, well, it's because I wasn't in the voice chat for Discord. <laughs> so I want you all to share in my pain and misery as my early onset Alzheimer's and dementia sets in. And just let you all know, you're not alone. We're all fools. And I am chief of the fools. <laughs> now on to actually what matters. Oh, gosh. Welcome back once again. I know I say welcome back like five times before we actually start the episode. <laughs> Sorry, I'm a little loopy right now from that, that mess. No cuts. We're keeping it in. We're going live. <laughs> so... Let's move past all that. Um, I'm recording this on a, well, it was Tuesday, now it's Wednesday. Uh, and the last episode has not been released yet. Uh, that's just a bit of, you know, life getting in the way of things. So it's been recorded, and I recorded it last week. But, you know, John just hasn't had the time to get it done. So, you know, everyone get on him. You know, contact John on his Twitter at uh, com. What is what is this mood I'm in? I don't know. Maybe I'm just so glad to be off of work tonight. Let's let's focus on some manga. Goodness gracious. Okay. So, like I said, uh, the episode hasn't been released yet. I'm hoping to have it fairly soon. So, I would like to have a more consistent schedule. But once again, I have no clue how to edit and stuff like that. So, I'm not going to get on John for having a life. So, inconsistency it is. I'm okay with that. For now. Maybe later I have to go over there and get him to actually do the job. Just show up with a crowbar at the door. Say, John, where's the episode? <laughs> All right, anyways, let me get past this goofy stage. What have I been watching this past week? Well, a lot. Uh, let's see, I'm continuing my Ultraman journey. I'm almost done with Ultraman 80. I have two episodes left of... It's like... Uh, introduced a brand new ultra character, female this time, just out of the blue. I was like, oh, was not expecting that. That was a nice surprise. Uh, from there, if I remember correctly, the next ultra series is uh, Towards the Future, which is my start. My start. I'm becoming a man. Sorry. Only took me 31 years. That's how I got my start with the ultra series. Uh, when I was a kid, my dad uh, showed me the series and like fell in love with it. It's like, oh my gosh, this this is totally my thing. See this giant dude attacking, you know, these weird creatures in these awesome costumes. With, you know, actually, as I grow to appreciate more, it's not terrible fight choreography, especially compared to the series that's coming after this. From what I've seen so far. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that. This is a big, it'll be a big nostalgia trip for me. But 80, 80 has been a lot of fun. Um, I, I'm really enjoying, you know, this just the Ultra series. I mean, like, it's not Citizen Kane. It's never going to be Citizen Kane. It doesn't have to be. It's just fun. Let's see, what else have I been watching? I haven't had a chance to see Eternals yet. Uh, I'm hearing mixed things on it, but like I never really cared about them in the first place. 
I mean, the only one I really cared about ever was Cersei. And that's because just because of the Avengers comics I used to read. Uh, you know, back in the day, I think she was there in the late eighties and early nineties. Yeah. Other than that, like, yeah, maybe I don't know. Maybe we'll finally get to see Star Fox on screen. That'd be fun. Like a little late now, Thanos' brother showing up, but I mean, they'll make, they'll find a way to make it work. This is Marvel. Uh, let's see, but what I actually have watched was a show on Netflix called Midnight Mass. And absolutely, I had a lot of, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, not fun. So I don't want to keep repeating that one. God help me. A lot of excitement. Let's go with that. It's not the word I was looking for, but let's go with that. We'll edit it in post. And by that, we mean we want to edit. But this one blew me away. I was not expecting it to be as good as it was. So I just got to learn that I needed to trust Mike Flanagan. Which was something I was pondering earlier today. It's like, oh, you know, I enjoy a lot of what he's done so far. Uh, Talk about spoilers real quick in three, two, one. Uh, Guess they were vampires. Had that right. Uh, That was, I mean, it was fairly obvious. I also guessed right beforehand the uh, it was was named Paul in the series. Yeah, Paul um, was slowly turning his congregation into vampires through communion. It's like, yes, that's a brilliant idea uh, way to implement this. Was all in for that. Um, See, other than that, I've seen a lot of people complain about it. It's like, oh, it's it's pro-religion. I say, oh, others say it's anti-religion. Like, I've definitely seen a lot of Christians out there being like, oh, obviously this Christianity and has no regard for Christ. And it's like, well, number one, he's an atheist, so kind of obvious where he stands there. But two, it's like, I really don't agree with either viewpoint. Um, I actually think it's just anti-extremist. And just judging from the series proper, like, it's against the idea of religion being used as a way to control people, which I'm all for. But it's also showing the high points of religion, like uh, the community it brings, you know, the love and bonds you share by being in that with one another, the spiritual security it offers. Because, you know, with uh, one of the most poignant scenes in there was uh, uh, Lisa uh, forgiving, what's his name? I'll just call him Mike. For the heck of it, it was like an M name, I think, uh, for you know, paralyzing her. And after she was healed, like, say, look, like, I hate you, but I also forgive you. That was a huge character moment, and I, I absolutely adored that. So, I, I definitely recommend Midnight Mass to those who are out there uh, looking for something horror themed. Even though October just ended not too long ago. See, other than that, I started. Uh, Blue Exorcist after giving it up a while back on the uh, but I started back based on a recommendation of a friend of a friend uh, one of the uh, co-hosts of the whole church podcast that's uh, Josh Noel and TJ over there so shout out to them give them some views they're good people and I gotta say I'm glad I listened to his advice uh, it's definitely 
one of the things that turned me off initially was like, oh my gosh, this person does not understand Christianity at all. But kind of like turned my brain off at that point. It's looking at it, so okay, whatever. Like it's because it's combining Christianity, Christian beliefs, and Shinto beliefs, and uh, Buddhist beliefs, all in this hodgepodge cosmology for demonology. So just, you know, it's it's a lot more fun than I gave it credit for when I first saw it. I also started uh, an anime called Skullman, which came out in 2007, I think. And I think it's done by the guy who did Cyborg 009. So, uh, so I, I'm seeing some character design similarities, if that's the case. I'd have to look into this. But, I mean, wouldn't it be funny if they crossed over at some point? It's... I couldn't begin to explain the series so far. It's just like reporter and young girl go into city and in Japan is like under martial law, it looks like. And this mysterious vigilante old man is killing people. Uh, it's been fun so far, so I'm fine with it. Well, I do believe that's all what I've been in. So we are going to go to Black Clover, page 312. Before the Door of Hell. This is more of a hype chapter. Um, not too much substance in this. So as we left after the last chapter, uh, some of the Black Bulls had ended up uh, attacking Morris, or coming into the building to attack Morris, uh, saving Dorothy and uh, what's-his-name with the L. Uh, you know, that guy. You know him. Major character. So Morris is looking at them. It's like, there's plenty of fascinating magic here. You'll be very satisfying to dissect, including two arcane stage mages. I can't wait to get started. And Vanessa's magic similar, but you want a dark triad, remember? Who are you? And this is Gosh. Who cares who he is? We're here to save our captain. He's in the way. We see a spell called Modification Magic Operation. And at this point, uh, Vanessa's ability is to use Rouge, which is the cat she keeps on her that that helps with strength of fate is not working. And she thinks to herself, why isn't it doing this? And Morris says, at this point, my modification magic interferes with intangible concepts as well. The moment I touch you, you're finished. So I guess that kind of explains how he beat Dorothy. I mean, it's a little convenient, but we're in Black Clover, so... Not going to touch on that too much. And Gray is using some of her magic to uh, mess with his ability to uh, stop them. And he's looking at it, you know, sizing it up. Say, oh, this must be transmutation magic. Magnificent. As we're sending more to attack the, uh, the Black Bulls headquarters. And Gray says, this takes a lot of focus, so I can't transform. It's humiliating. And Gray says, does this look like the time for that? For now, just shut up and look at me. Mirror magic. Mirror brigade as it creates more and more grays. Uh, this has happened before, hasn't it? Um, I can't remember. It's like 50 or 60 chapters ago he was able to do this. Uh, mirror brigade uh, magic conversion uh, to enable her and these copies of her created using his mirror magic to continue to reinforce her spells. And Morris is smiling at this, saying, All right, then, I was chosen by the most powerful devil. Let's see what this spell can do. 
gravity magic, presence of the demon king, which I don't know if we've seen Lucifer before. Because when I first read it, it's like, wait, he has modification magic and gravity magic, forgetting he was <laughs> allied and working with Lucifer. So that was on me, not Tabata. And he's thinking to himself, says, it's not possible to change the properties of gravity. But let's, let's use this to dismantle them. As he's attacking the Black Bull's headquarters, causing it to kind of like fall down to the ground. But Henry speaks up and says, and I'm not going to speak as slow as him. Uh, we're going to be here all night. He says, back then, I couldn't protect anything. But now I'm here. And we get a flashback. Seeing Gordon returning uh, after, uh, you know, his, I believe it was six months of studying what everyone was doing. And it says, after half, yeah, yeah, half a year of research and training, I did it. I transformed poison into medicine. At this point, my curse magic turns curses into strength. Modified poison curse magic. Curse worker's neighbor. And we see him touching uh, Henry on the shoulder. And this is allowing him to redirect his curse magic at someone else instead of, like, everyone, which is what his huge issue was, like, he couldn't control it. It just affected anyone around him. Which is why Asta was like the perfect person to talk to him since he had no magic himself. And Morris is getting uh, almost obliterated by this magic. He says, This can't be right. I acquired the ultimate power. And at this point, uh, well, hold on one second. Anyway, oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, oh, I'm so sorry. I messed up the page count. Gosh dang it. I'm better than this. He gets punched by the uh, Black Bulls. And that's when he says that. And that's when everyone else shows up. He says, Through all sorts of experiments, I made myself into a higher being. I, then I obtained the talents of the ultimate devil's host. And he gets punched once more in the face. You see, so you're the last enemy devil host. Mage Scholar Morris of the Diamond Kingdom. We don't care who or what you are. We've got just one thing to say to you. As we see, uh, Luck, Benroll, Noel, Asta, Sucker, Charmy, Zora, and Magna. Say, give us back our captain. And that's the end of the Black Clever chapter. So, this arc has been up and down in terms of quality. And I don't know how I feel right now, to be perfectly honest. It, I mean, the Dark Triad like those cool and concept appearance looking characters but like there's no substance to their actual character it's like Zenon was like oh I, I used to be you know positive and chipper until I lost you know my Asta figure into my life so I turned evil and then uh, what was Dante's thing it was just like well, I'm just superior to you because I'm, I'm royal blah 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 until I got taken down by a commoner which it was a fun fight don't get me wrong but, like, no substance to the guy. And Monica's just like, I mean, I like stepping on men. And that's why the fandom loves me. So, re real deep, the Dark Triad. And Morris right now is... I almost said a dreaded I word. <laughs> is kind of compelling. But I, I, I don't know. I, I guess this might be one of those... It just feels better when you read it in the volume. So you don't have to wait week to week. So I'm going to move on from Black Clover to Blue Box. Chapter 28, Taiki and, oh, excuse me, 
Oh, I did not write down the chapter name. Good for me. Uh, I wrote the description for the chapter instead of that. There we go. Your Own House is the name of the chapter. Good job. So when we last left our heroes, Taiki had grabbed Shinatsu by the, the wrist. And who guessed that Christian was wrong? Everyone should, because I always am when it comes to this series. <laughs> and instead of checking her for a fever like I thought, or you know, talking to her at all like I thought would be the other option, uh, he says, oh, sorry, uh, um, I was just, I was wondering where the buckets go. And she says, I think it's up there. He says, oh, you're right, I didn't see them. Thanks. And she's not too loose, says, well, I'll be going now. And I don't think she's fooled for a second here. I think she knew he was trying to say something, but held back because he's just a dork. So she leaves, and he looks at himself saying, what am I doing? I know I should be more subtle. And Shinatsu, as we switch over to her POV, we see her with one of her friends, uh, Nagisa, I believe is her name. And, you know, they talk about their athletic commitments. They see uh, one of their friends, uh, a young couple, uh, Yamaguchi and Sato, like they're hanging out. And they're discussing it. And uh, Shinatsu says, Nagisa, if you ever wanted a boyfriend, I bet you could get one in no time. And she says, now that you mentioned it, I guess I'm not, just not interested. After I've got the team right now. And I see the volleyball team at their schools all crying. You know, uh, no, sorry. That's misinterpreting the scene. Like they're all, you know, talking around one of their teammates who is leaving. Uh, she's the one crying uh, because she has to transfer to another school because her grandmother's health is taking a turn for the worst. And uh, Nagisa says, uh, I know how this probably sounds, but the team's really happy that you stayed, Shinatsu. It's all thanks to you that we can go to nationals. He says, it's not just me. And Nagisa says, I have to thank your relatives for taking you in. And for those who don't know, that's like the cover story right now is uh, we can't let people know that she's living in, in another, you know, fellow student's house with non-family members. That's scandalous. So the cover story is she's living with relatives along the way. Uh, Nagisa says, but if there was a hottie at the place you're staying, you might have been the one writing up in some romance, up with some romance, which, if she believes to cover story, would mean that she's with, like, her cousin or something. So, I know Japan has different feelings on that issue, but it just, just tickled me. It's like, uh, that's where your, your love fantasies, fantasies go. <laughs> she says, uh, think about it. If you were in the same house, you'd get to see each other, even if you couldn't go on dates due to practice. It'd make things super simple. You don't seem like the type to fall in love with someone unless you're that close with them. Like it or not, living under the same roof, you're bound to start thinking of them that way. All the better if you like basketball. Shinatsu says it's not that simple. Uh, and <clears throat> we go over, and I had a difficult time the first time I read this part. It's like, what, who is this guy that is suddenly in their house? Because I do not remember him at all. And I don't think, I think it be his first appearance. But they're at Taiki's house. And they're having a little barbecue around. And Shinatsu is talking to this guy with glasses. He says, uh, this is your barbecue. And he says, it's my wife who runs. And she eats some of the barbecues. That's lovely. And uh, Taiki's mom is outside saying, honey, more vegetables, please. So he's going to make more. And Shinatsu comes to join him and says, can I help? Uh, don't worry about it. I'm fine. Don't hold back. Go eat some meat. Just think of this as your own house. And she says, it's precisely because it's my own house that I can't act like a guest. 
You've got a good head on your shoulders. I'm sorry. I guess I was the one holding back. Huh? Not at all. I'm away from home a lot due to my job, which explains, oh, why we haven't seen him before. Thank God, because when I, I first read this, I was so confused. So we haven't had much of a chance to talk. Is there anything troubling you, like how the closets are stuffed to the gills with my wife's workout gear, or Grandpa offering bizarre flavors of sweets? Has his grandpa in I don't remember that. Whatever. Um, and she said, you don't have to walk on eggshells around me. Oh, that's not my intention. Someone's entrusted to us their precious daughter. I have a responsibility to make sure she's comfortable. I'm saying this now, but I was initially hesitant taking on such a responsibility. But when Yukiko and I talked it over, and that's Taiki's mom, I know there will be a response, but I'll carry the burden. This is a very important year for Chinatsu. The wait of two years for her is different from two years. If there's a way to protect that time for her, then it's our job as adults to support her, is what she said. Of course, it's all Yukiko who makes the decisions in this house. But her words convinced me, if that's what you wanted, I knew we had to support you in that. Not to mention, when you got into nationals, I felt so proud of you. So let's get this up and win nationals too. We'll be rooting for you. She says, okay. And then Taiki comes in, uh, saying that mom was asking about the noodles for yakisoba until his dad realizes they're out and he was his job to get them. Tsuchinatsu pipes up and says, I'll go buy them. Uh, saying there's you know, something else she wanted to. Uh, and dad says, well, uh, Taiki said that. Dad says, then I guess I'll ask you to do that. Okay. How about you go with her, Taiki? Uh, secret shipper for them both? Probably. That's my guess. Or maybe he's just dense, and only the mom is. Who knows? And Taiki says, what? Come on, we can't just let... Uh, uh, oh, no. Taiki says, what? His dad says, come on. We can't just let a girl walk at night all alone. Taiki thinks to himself, but I don't know how much distance to keep. He says, oh, I'll go by myself. But then Chinatsu says, Taiki, let's go. And that's the end of the chapter. So... This is a fun little... Uh, another, I mean, for a romantic series cliffhanger at the end. So, uh, we'll let him talk about on the way there. Maybe more about sports. Maybe more about living together. Maybe someone sees them on the way there. So it's, oh, what's going on with that? Who knows? That's the fun. <laughs> Moving on to Dr. Stone. This is he equals 217... Science Underdogs. Alright, last chapter. Kohaku figured out potentially where Y-Man could be, so they're all celebrating. Except for two. Suika and Chrome are sad that they couldn't make the deadline. And when it, well, what can we do? And it goes over to the next day, and Chrome has had a flash of genius. Oh, he says a flash of inspiration. Uh, I thought up a way for everyone to survive and make it home. In a two-way rocket made possible by science. And they show the ideas, uh, show the concept to Sai, who is very excited about it. I forgot this panel existed. And they uh, make a sign for a mega science conference. Inviting everyone there. And have uh, two panels, one for rookie scientists with the two of them, and two for the super scientists, which is Zeno and Sinku. And Sinku says, well, what's this? Chrome says, listen up. We don't agree with your crazy suicide mission in a one-way rocket. And even his tongue has got like, these, this eye, these eyes and a mouth. It's so freaky. 
We could get our happy ending with a two-way rocket instead. Gin says, Ah, my dear sweet... Ah, my sweet dear Crum and Suica. Naturally, we all wish such a thing were possible, but, 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 but alas, I'm sure you two already know the problem. Niku says, A two-way rocket would have to be gigantic, and we'd need to start our test launches from, launches from scratch. Zeno adds, Easily five times our missing time commitment, I'm envisioning decades of work at least. Suica says, That's why this whole time, Crum has been racking his brain for an answer. Searching for a way for the little rocket to take it to the moon and back. Crum says, on that note, check it out. The rookie science team's bad, never before done, never done before scheme. We're going to take that gigantic spaceship that can make it back home from the moon, and we're going to launch it there in five pieces. Then I combine it to one mega ship. As he's got this one-out panel of different parts of the spaceship being launched into space and then assembled into space. And most everyone's just got these blank expressions of the what? But Sinku and Zeno are both showing surprise for a moment until Sinku says, the space station that Byaku and the others lived in was also launched in pieces and assembled in space. <laughs> Continuing the running gag of Chrome thinking up something, thinking he's the first person in the history of the world to come up with the concept, like, uh, what was it, the water wheel with Kaseki forever ago? And failing once again. And poor Sarika says, our never-before-done plan was done before. <laughs> but Sinku stops and says, wait, who cares if it's not a new idea? It's a wild, out-of-this-world plan that falls 10 billion percent outside of me and Zeno's uh, sinking. And yet, Zeno says, once upon a time, even NASA theorized about launching a piecemeal spaceship. However, the fatal stumbling block is in the design. The complex design needed for a two-way spaceship comes in interlocking, joinable sections, so it would involve several million individual components. Yusui then set, pipes up and says, hmm, so what you're saying is, if we put the population in the new world, the craft and work on crafting those components, we stand a chance of creating this multi-part ship, am I wrong? Which, by the way, how is this the first time they're thinking of this? It's like, oh, oh, you mean we could just unpetrify more people and that would make this work? Wow. Sorry, that's my small criticism about this arc in Dr. Stone. Like, for the most part, it's just, like, no one thought about this in the three-year time skip? Okay, that's my biggest uh, hang-up with this. Uh, but Chrome goes on a, a rant. says, you know, but if we've got even the slimmest shot at making this work, then the two sides, one way or two-way, all of us should decide, because that's how the kingdom of science works. We combine our strength to build and create. And they're going to vote on the issue. Ten of them, I believe? Yes, ten. And the two options are one way. And Psy creates a device that's just got two, one, two buttons on it. One way or, or two way. And he says the results are in. Will our spaceship be for a one way journey or a round trip? And the two way trip wins. So everyone gets excited about that. And then no vote. This one. So Sai checks the votes. Says, oh, the votes may have been anonymous, but there would have been no harm in showing the tally. And he looks up the results. And it was 10 to 0. All in favor of two-way. Which is really nice. I mean, it, sometimes Dr. Stone can get a little saccharine. But I, I'm all for this. It just shows how much they love each other. How they're always looking out for each other. As so we can, um, give the uh, the fist bump uh, into the air, 
who is talking to says, you and Zeno were whispering earlier, and I happen to overhear something wild. Sinku says, well, nothing escaped here, Zukio. The whole world's got to work on a transforming rocket. If we hook the stone world up with the internet... Oh, I skipped something. My bad. Uh, and the only way to make it happen is if we hook up the stone... If we hook the stone world up with the internet. Again, says, here we go, at long last. And that is how the chapter... Sai and Kaseki have lost their clothes. So it's nice to have someone join Kaseki. So, was not expecting the internet to show up this early, but I should know better in Dr. Stone. Um, so it'd be a real useful way for them to communicate with one another. Now, this sounds like they're going to add more time to what they're going to be planning, because, I mean, their initial idea was to use this one-way rocket. Now they've got to figure out how to make the internet accessible over to Stone World. My guess is that they're going to have people build towers along the way, uh, and then they're going to launch satellites to help set up the Stone World internet. Who knows? So, yeah, a fun chapter for Dr. Stone this week. Not, not too much to say about it, though. So, uh, next up, we have Sakeme-san, chapter 31. It's a nice, fluffy chapter. I mean, what else can I say? Uh, the class is preparing for their uh, culture festival, so they're making origins, some of them with weird leggings on them and fishnets. Sorry, I just sneezed, so I'm glad I had enough time to mute myself. Uh, the teacher tells them to leave, and uh, Sekime and Takedona are both leaving. So he says, you know, it's late, I'll walk you home. She says, well, but that's out of your way. He says, I'm the next station over. It's no big deal. And she says, thanks. And they're both blushing. And they end up at uh, Sekime-san's house. And as soon as he sees it, he jumps up in the air, like, in surprise. It's a mansion. Like, her house, I mean, not really a mansion from what I know of mansions. But, like, it is two-story. Uh, very nice design house. And she gets... A little uh, flushed at this, too. She says, thanks for walking me home. I'd be careful on your way home, Dr. Dono-kun. And then we hear a guy say, Kaede, which is the first time I believe I've heard Sekimei's name said out loud in the series, maybe earlier, when she was first introduced. And we see this ridiculously-looking average guy with glasses. So, main character. It says, you're just getting home now. She says, ah, Kwaru-chan. And Takanuna looking at both of them, freaking out. Like, who's this guy? And they call each other by their first names. It's big business in Japan. Can't just do that with anybody. Sekame says, Takanuna-kun, this is my childhood friend, Kaoru. Uh, Kyohu-chan. Kaoru Kyohu-chan. He lives next door. He says, don't call me Chan. And she says, Takanuna-kun as her boy. And he looks at him, says, this little pipsqueak. Because he is significantly uh, a head shorter than her. I meant to tell you, our school culture festivals uh, uh, festival is coming up. Here's a ticket. And he looks at it. It's kind of like, I get a little Sundari vibe from him. Uh, he says, a, student, a student's duty is to study. Don't get too carried away. And as he's leaving her behind after getting a ticket from her, she, he, she says, Akaru-chan, your pant leg is stuck up in your sock. And he gets, he says, ah, that's on purpose. Oh, walks away. Oh, excuse me, runs away. And second mate turns to Takadona-kun, says to get home safely. 
but he's freaking out because he just met her childhood friend and they call each other by their first names. So I don't suspect this guy's going to end up being a romantic rival. Anything, it's going to be like uh, one way on his side, if at all. So, yeah. Don't bless the Kimei-san. It was lots of fun. Exactly what we need. So we'll be moving on to the elusive Chapter 39, Hawks. 1335. Uh, not Hawks from My Hero, who did also not show up this week. I was also wrong about who will be showing up to help Star and Stripe eventually. But we... So. Uh, the war is continuing, and we last left... Oh gosh, what is this guy's name? His name... was uh, Uno. Yukiyasu Uno. Yes, uh, it turned out... I just remembered last year. Uh, it turned out that because he has not known a woman for these many long years, he's been able to turn that into becoming a warrior, and he killed ten opponents before the paper could fall. I don't know much about the desire between men and women, but I've heard it's hard to resist, Tokiyuki says, because he's ten. Uno Dono has the spiritual strength to, through loyalty and faith, keep himself in check for decades. Yet, unlike a monk, he hasn't eradicated his desire. Instead, he keeps it boiling inside. As a retainer to Yorishige Dono, he has mastered the ultimate technique for loyalty. And Nuno says, for now, we have repelled them, but this battle will not end so easily. Shizuku, have you grasped the state of the three battlefields? She says, yes, she's brought it on a map. And we get this very handy for Christian guide here. Uh, we see Ichikawa has 300 men, and he's facing against uh, Mochizuki and Tokoiwa. Tokoiwa, yeah, yeah, there we go. And Kokushi is in the center. He's facing against Nezu and Hoshina and Shinomiya. And the last one is Ogasawara. He has 500 men against uh, 280 men from with Uno and Inukai. So they're going to head out and uh, warn the other ones. And as they're about to leave, though, they're warned that the enemy... But uh, Tokiyuki says, it'll be too late by then. I must inform our allies immediately. Don't worry, I won't get caught. He says, come on, let's go. All right. <laughs> it says, uh, is that Buki? Yes. And they all leave, and the opposing side notices someone's running after them, and they're about to, and they're trying to kill them. Uh, we get a narration. It says, when combatants spotted enemy messengers, they killed or tortured them and took their information without hesitation. Tokiyuki says, keep going, I'll draw them off. And he goes with his horse to draw their attention to him, allowing the others to get away. And, oh my gosh, I just totally blanked Genba. Thank God for past Christian, who was smart enough, unlike present Christian, to remember characters' names by putting them down in the Word document. <laughs> says, uh, Genba says, have his writing skills improved this past year? And says, I, I taught him some new maneuvers. He'll focus on anything if it's for fleeing. It, uh... And one of the uh, army members says, that kid's got a fire in him. That's the elusive boy, eh? He has a lust for survival. We should follow his example. Stand firm and then take flight. And Uno Dono says, the elusive samurai has a positive effect on the troops. That is how I want female retainers to react to me. <laughs> wow. What a guy. And, well, I was just praising but he didn't do good enough to remind me of this guy's name. As uh, Kodro is being... Uh, this, these were the people that they met before this arc 
who were uh, Hojo loyalists and were all about like sacrificing themselves in battle. It's like it, it didn't matter if they were all wiped out; it meant they died in battle. Allah, you know, your Klingon way. And Tokiyuki managed to convince them that it was better for them to live. So that's what they're doing now, fighting for him. And you see that uh, they're on Nezu, uh, one of the other. Uh, as the opposing side is about to attack them. And we see oh, he's using Hawks to read the battle. The ability to grasp the scope of, the, of a battle is a Nezu clan strength. And Tokiyuki says, oh, that's right, Kojiro. You belong to the Nezu clan. And General says, hey, Chujimaru Dono, how goes the southern battle? It'll hold for ten days, you say. That means our biggest concern is the north. Ichikawa's force is considerable, while Tokoiwa is our greatest weakness. If the north crumbles before we defeat the Kokushi, the Kokushi and Ichikawa will both concentrate here in the center. Understood. I will ride to ask Tokoiwa Dono how long he can last. <laughs> he said, now you've already ridden all day. I just need a fresh horse. We love evading enemy lookouts, right, guys? <laughs> the other guy shoots a flight like that. That's just you. And Kojiro, Ayako, and Fubuki come with me. Shizuku and Genba, and you rest. And as you're about to leave, oh gosh, I forgot. The guy with the like the really plain looking face and is like completely murderous. I almost skipped over this. It says, "Uh, I'll mark the way with seven years and noses to leave." I love this. So he's one note as a character. And that's all he needs to show up and like say this really horrific thing. But like, I'm on your side. To which Tokiyuki says, uh, no thanks. But we see the fort has already been lost. And unfortunately, uh, they are under a lot of distress in this battle. And before he leaves, Kojiro is told, starting today, cover your face when you go into battle. You must devote everything to your Shike-sama and the Nezu clan. Twitchy says, as you wish. And he's about to leave. And they, they rag on him for his new headband. As we get a very disturbing last panel with uh, uh, Kakushi and, uh, oh gosh, you are, you are Salamune. No, I know. Uh, Ichikawa combining this weird butterfly looking thing. Uh, and we get the narration, defeat will come tomorrow. Hmm. So, not looking too good for uh, your sheep. Uh, seems like this may be a defeat. Which, mm, which would be a cool concept for this series. Because, uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's nice for your, your characters to, to go through a lot of adversity. And... Suffering defeat this early after already suffering previous defeats before after just getting some people, you know, into your organization this time around, getting some new generals involved would be a, a good way from some early tension here, like to have to regroup, maybe find a way to recruit new members. So I, I'm, I like this chapter of Elusive Samurai. Like, once again, it's, it's just really hard to like character names and especially like the names I'm not normally, you know, as fresh with because they're more past Japan with very different names than present Japan. So there's that. Hell yes. This is what I've been waiting all week. <laughs> yes. We have 
The Hunter's Guild, Red Hood, final chapter. The battle is going full Big Joe Bonkers. <laughs> <laughs> Last we left, uh, the mayor slash Geppetto said, do not interrupt you mere extras, which is what we get. As he uses his reality warping powers to send a bunch of like dirt and stone columns against Debonair and Cinderella and Grimm. I just sneezed again. Thank God for that mute mic. Uh, anyway, uh, Debonair says, well, he sure has to be flashy about stuff. Cinderella says, duh, he was once the guild's best sorcerer. With the power of the pages in his hands, anything goes. Oh, sorry. There's one thing I meant to mention earlier. Uh, apparently, I had to look back at this chapter because I did not see this. That's not how he interpreted it. When I saw it, I thought it was a hug. But apparently, in the last chapter, Debonair kissed Cinderella. It was very ambiguous from the way it was drawn. But apparently that's been confirmed. So, like, okay, that was a thing. I didn't want to, like, misrepresent that scene. If that's really... So, yeah, that was a thing that happened. Anyways, uh, Grim on the broomstick saying, I, I wonder why am I here? Good question. Cinderella, can you use your magic to force my clock forward? You transformed not that long ago, right? If you don't give your body enough of a break, it might not hold up with the stress. Grim says... The world is ending. Right now, I'm just a little child who fell for the enemy's trap. I could do nothing but sit on the sidelines watching the world end. Give me the chance to fight. As we flash over to Velo and Red Hood and Nameless Guy, as they're trying to get out of the prison made by a Geppetto, and Velo says, if I die right now, what happens to the power in me? And so, Mister, give me the gun you pointed at the mayor. But Red Hood says, hold it. Your death may erase the power, but it also may not. The power could remain, continuing to rot the world away. Think carefully. You are a being who was tossed into the story from outside. Do you, see what that, do you see what that means? Right now, in this entire world, you and you alone can make whatever choice you wish. A happy ending or a tragic one. What sort of ending do you want for this story? And he's thinking to himself, saying, I... Anything we can pause, maybe elsewhere in the scene. But before we move on, I really like this. Because it shows... Uh, Velu has not gotten too much characterization in the series, which one of its unfortunate downfalls. But I love his uh, sacrificial nature and this, like, so quickly, like, what can we do? Well, if it'll stop the end of the world, like, I'll, I'll die. So I, I just really love that concept. His concept, the new interesting? Find out at 11. Finally, uh, flashing over to Geppetto, uh, fighting uh, Devonair still. He's creating more and more to uh, try and take her out. He says, enough, stop this. For all that you can control your curse, your body still has its limits. Stop resisting and you can vanish without suffering. But Nebonair strikes ground, says, how about you quit dragging the whole world down with you and your self-destructive madness, huh? I'm a hunter, and I'm going to be a hunter till the world's last gap. I see. As Demare creates a bunch of weird chimeric monsters to attack her, and he walks away on the air, says, Then hunt these monsters to your heart's content. Debonair thinks to herself, An obvious ploy to buy time. Why, thanks, that she's about to go forward, but our hero, Big Joe Bonkers, appears with the other people who have names. <laughs> Not because the series is ending. 
and they attack the monsters, and Demona says, you lot, what are you all doing here? It's dangerous. Get back to the iron size. And small character female says, no thanks. Another character says, we were trained by you, remember? And our hero, Victor Bonkers, says, yeah, to save the world. <laughs> Greatest character of all, all time in manga. And we flash over to Red Hood again, saying, I see, that is your answer. And uh, Velo is about to say something. As Grim knocks down the wall and says, what, that's it? Weaker than I expected. How could you let yourself get caught like this? Ah, well. As we flash back to Cinderella amping her up, it says your transformation will end when the clock strikes midnight. Well, hmm, what does that sound like? No telling what will happen next. Who knows? Maybe you'll die. Grim says, thanks. Cinderella says, ew, gross, don't thank me. We're supposed to be enemies. And I, I love the relationship she has with her and Devonair. Just like, it, it, just stop with all that. I hate you. Uh, Grim says, all right, if we survive, let's fight again sometime. Cinderella says, you bet we will. As Grim goes away, after she has used her magic on her, says, I'm Cinderella the Ashen Witch, not the good witch of whatever. <laughs> Such a great line. I, I really wish the series had gone on, because I, I like Cinderella's character. Not too bad she's never showing up ever again. Uh, in the present, uh, Grim says, give me the book, I'll pull you out of here. No, use this. There. And crafts some sort of uh, gun for him. No, wait, no. Was that Red Hood that made it? Yeah, yeah, Red Hood made it, not her. Nice more sense. And she's kind of touching the gun. The book is in the shape of a rifle. I wove your power together with the book. Magical rifle. If you can fire that into him, the two negating powers will cancel each other out, stopping the end of the world. Really? You can take the hood, too. I certainly don't require it anymore. I don't have a character. <laughs> I just showed up at the very end. It's your turn to pull the trigger. Uh, as they're, uh, the hunters are fighting, and Cinderella's saying, the book is eroding further, its concepts are getting scrambled. Geppetto says, finally, the world is at an end. And off screen we see, I won't let it be the end, as Velu has showed up with the gun, book, I get to say that. I get to say gun book. This is the greatest series of all time. Uh, you children again. Can you really shoot me, Velu? The world is already coming apart at the seams. If you do kill me, all that will remain is a guiding scenario. Do you truly believe anyone can be happy in a world like that? Velu says, when all's said and done, isn't that what it means to live, Mayor? Everyone's the main character of their own story, and they'll all reach their own individual ending. No one will know what kind of story it was until it's over. There's no telling what the future will bring, no predictable scenario for it to follow, and yet we're all we're all keep we're all keep struggling. Wow. Thanks, translators. Oh no, no, we'll all keep struggling. So that was on me and my terrible eyesight, <laughs> fighting for our own happiness. I think, and we get the flashback to him answering Red Hood. I think I don't want any ending, happy or sad. I want the world to keep going. Yeah, a lot of people have messed with it. But everyone still has their own path they've, that they've walked to get this far. It's okay if we can't see where this past adventure will take us, he says in the present. We'll, we'll still keep struggling, fighting, living. I'm going to live, Mayor. I see. If that's the case, I feel much better. And he shoots the mayor with a massive explosion. Uh, seems to completely obliterate him and all the other things he had conjured with the, the book's power. Cinderella says, the book is gone. That means it's scenarios. But they're still alive. And as long as humans are around, there will be more werewolves. 
Billy says the overarching scenario is gone. Now's when our hunt begins for real. Grim says, and that's where the vaccine comes in. Right. This time, let's save the world for real. We'll make fairy tales into reality. It's only just beginning. As we get the end. I'm going to miss this series so much. I mean, there are series I love way more than this. Like, I mean, My Hero I love way more than this. And like, unlike how I felt last week, One Piece I love way more than this. But I will miss talking about this. And I really wish I had someone around me right now I could talk about this series with that had followed through it all. It's just amazing. How it started, the the grind I had to get through, like, chapters two through five to get that actually good stuff. Introducing characters, like, oh, please care about them. Please care about Big Joe Bonkers. <laughs> and I said that as someone who actually does kind of care. It's like, I thought his backstory was real cool. <laughs> and atypical. And I, I love the idea of Velu changing the world just by being... Uh, what he had been created to be so that would have just stayed stagnant and uh, uh, static is the word I was looking for uh, are now dynamic. I think that's a really cool concept. I love the way this playing with the meta idea of the story. It was just, it was a lot of fun. And I, I, I think I said this last week, but I really look forward to what the writer has next when, when he's given another chance to be in jump because I mean, I see a lot of potential in his storytelling ability. I, I mean, next. And, well, sorry, Red Hood, but you're gone. Godspeed. The axe hit hard. Kill the werewolves, but couldn't save yourself. Real shame. And from that, we will be moving on. To our next series, Jujutsu Kaisen, chapter 164, Tokyo number one colony, part four. And I don't remember exactly what I said last time because I haven't had the chance to listen to it. But I think I had said something about. Uh, I, I'll wait, I'll wait. Uh, so, uh, Higuruma has brought a Shikigami. And he's, uh, Yuji is thinking to himself, Higuruma holds 100 points. He may have killed sorcerers, so instead of charging, I'll start on the defense, defensive. But I'll be ready for any attack. As he gets into a defensive stance, uh, gets ready. But before he can do anything, surprising me completely, Higuruma says, domain expansion, deathly, uh, deadly sentencing. Yuji thinks a domain before he can activate his curse technique and he starts running forward as these gigantic scales appear uh, from the like weird manta ray gin thing Shikigami that Higuruma has and Yuji says I gotta take him out and he goes for a kick to the head and completely whiffs actually stops right in front of him and Higuruma explains this domain forbids the use of violence for both of us both of us. And he's thinking, I'm back where I started. Yes, but verbal violence is another matter. <laughs> I love that. Uh, judgment, please begin. And Judgment, the Shikigami, says, Yuji Itadori, 
suspicion of entering the Maji Vegas Pachinko Parlor on July 16, 2017 in Sendai City, Miyagi Prefecture, despite being under the 18 years of age at the time. <laughs> and he says, huh? And then suddenly, ah! It's that moment of, I was like, oh, what are you talking about? I was like, oh, oh no. Which, from what I understand, reference to one of the extras in uh, one of the volumes that came out. I have not read the volumes. I've only read the, the chapters. And apparently, this is something that uh, uh, Gege uh, Akutami, is that the name of the mangaka? Yeah, Akutami, had to apologize for uh, because it was something like, it's like, oh, we let our protagonist do this? Well, oh no, that's, that's so terrible that he did such a thing. Because you know how super strict they are over there with the youth in Japan. And he says, uh, no, wait, um, uh, and before he can, like, give himself away, Higuruma says, Judgment knows everything about everyone inside the domain. But don't worry, I do not have that information. The verdict depends solely upon the arguments that you and I present. And this evidence, as a you know, piece of... What's uh, word there? It's not... Uh, the, those little tan paper document things that you can open up Files? No, that's not it. But whatever. Whatever this thing is, where the evidence is inside of it. Uh, judgment has submitted this for deliberation. The evidence is not necessarily conclusive, and you will not be told what is inside. You must state your case to dispel all doubt, and thereby win a pronouncement of innocence from judgment. So real quick, before we continue, uh, I was not expecting him to have a domain inspection. I thought he would be using a form of curse technique, but it w makes a lot more sense to have an expansion. Uh, the reason I wasn't expecting it is because of how recently he just came into his powers. But I'm really glad this is happening because it really subverted my expectations. And I don't know that triggers my Star Wars fans like me uh, from a very terrible movie, but we'll move on. Uh, I can't say that in a court of law because that's all subjective. <laughs> But I, I'd expect, I think I'd said something in the last episode about potentially him having some, like, Anubis-like situation where, like, you know, he, he put, like, Yuji's morality or soul on, like, uh, the scales and see if it was the same weight as a feather or what have you. But I'm liking this a lot more. I may have said something about there being, like, some courtroom trial proceedings. I don't remember. But I think I was kind of sort of on the ball here for what happened. Uh, outside, once again, I'm not expecting the domain expansion, and I'm loving the explanation we're going to get to later on, so I'm going to, I'm going to stop ranting and just go through the chapter. As Yuji says, uh, thinking to himself, is this a curse technique for trials? He's wearing a badge. Oh, he's a real lawyer. <laughs> and he's prosecuting me. Higuruma is a modern man, but this domain reminds me of something Master Tengen said. And Tengen, in his flashback, says, domains used to be a more common technique for sorcerers in the past. The reason is that many domains now involve deadly can't-miss attacks, but they weren't always that way. They merely forced uh, targets inside to obey the curse Technique's rules. That was how most domains function. And we get the... I really appreciated this, the visual representation of a sumo match. It's like the idea of, like, you are in this ring, in this circle, and if you step outside of it, you lose. It's like perfectly explaining everything with one image alone. Uh, uh, spot on, Gege. Uh, constructing a domain that is meant to be lethal 
requires immense skill. So the number of users decreased. That means this domain, UG uh, is thinking in the present, isn't necessarily fatal and can't physically harm me. It relies on a binding vow that requires an explanation of the rules. And Higuruma says, you have one chance to make a statement, as do I. After your statement, I will offer a rebuttal based on this evidence. Then judgment will deliver a lawful verdict. Uh, what happens if he says I'm guilty? Sorry, but I don't have to answer that. But I will tell you this instead. You have three options. Silence, confession, and denial. A denial may include false statements. And you says, I can lie in court? <laughs> Higuruma says, if everyone told the truth, there'd be no need for trials. Begin your defense. Judgment isn't very patient. So Yuji, in like galaxy brain for him, is having uh, a lot of moments to himself, thinking about what he can do. And I'm loving this because I was not expecting him to be this in-depth, and he, he proved me wrong, and I liked it a lot. Uh, so he's fo focusing on a statement of the evidence is not necessarily conclusive. So one, if the evidence doesn't prove I entered the pachinko parlor, I just need to stay silent or deny it. <laughs> and he goes... Through the, uh, was it Shaggy defense? It wasn't me. Two, if the evidence only proves I entered the parlor, can I say it was for another reason? But if the evidence is one, uh, then wouldn't I be admitting I went in, there thereby digging my own grave? Three, if the evidence proves I not only went in, but also played, then I'm basically screwed. <laughs> I could try confessing in hopes of a lighter sentence, but does this court even do that kind of thing? So he says out loud, yes, I went into the Pachinko Parlor Maji Vegas, only to take a dump. Thinking, I refuse to choose three. I don't know if I can plead extenuating circumstances here, but I think it'll make the best impression. And Higuruma says, oh, is that so? Now it's my turn. As he takes out the evidence, he says, this is an image from a security camera at a cash exchange window near Maji Vegas on a day in question. Does not this individual exhibit the appearance and build of the accused? Pairing this photo with his own admission of entering the premises casts a story about the restroom in doubt. It is certain that, despite being underage, he entered with the intent of playing the machines. And Yuji gives up and says, what am I guilty of? The establishment expressly forbids entry to minors, so unlawful entry. Article 130, Penal Code. After all, laws specifically establishments don't allow punishing minors. That's not fair then there's nothing I could have said. On the contrary, Japan forbids gambling. So parlors and cash exchanges are legal entities. In some cases, multiple parlors share one exchange, but you're only on trial for the parlor. You just needed to deny it by saying, I've never seen that pachinko parlor. Now for the verdict. Guilty, says Judge Van. Confiscation. As their cursed energy flares up, and Yuji says, I'm out of the domain, but judgment found me guilty. I don't feel any different. As Higuruma attacks him, and they're going blow by blow, as he got this giant mallet. Uh, I forget the actual term for uh, the hammer they use in court. Gavel. The gavel. is a gavel. If I say it three times, I remember it. And uh, Higuruma says, you're tough. Yuji thinks, I can't control my cursed energy. He says, yeah, that's one thing I got going for me. So uh, it appears that if you lose inside the domain expansion, you lose access to uh, 
most, if not all, of your cursed energy, it seems. But Yuji being who he is, especially with Sukuna inside of him, I think that's the loophole that's making him able to attack in this manner. So, um, I'm still not getting exactly villainous vibes from Higuruma. If he is, then he definitely killed a lot, a lot of people to get where he's at. But if he's not, I think, well, if he's not evil, I still think he killed people. It was probably people he knew got away with something beforehand. And he used judgment to correctly identify that. So, I mean, you can go on your tangents about vigilante justice right now, but I think in his mind, he's kind of going more anti-hero. And I think what they're going to find out through fighting one another is that you know, he's going to see Yuji's resolve. Is that why he came in there in the first place? So I think Yuji's going to win this fight by a hair. But it's in the way that he handles winning the fight that's going to make Higuruma actually agree to help him in some way, shape, or form by using his 100 points. And I don't think he just has 100. I don't think some way of tracking all I like I like exactly where they're at. So, we shall see. Moving on to Magu-chan, God of Destruction, Chapter 600. 600. A little way too soon for that. 66. Ninitsi the Astral. So Izuma and Rin are studying. And uh, they're continuing to help him as so he doesn't get kicked out of school. Uh, because as we find out, uh, Ruru had asked him to help him out. So Rin, being who he is, gives up everything to do exactly what Ruru would suggest. As he notices that Sarah is outside... Hanging on an electrical pole says, what the heck is that girl doing? <laughs> and she says, big brother, I can't believe he's near those two wicked gods. He's in far too much danger. I just hope he's safe. And then Itzy says, are we really going to help him with his surveillance? She says, no way, no how. Uh, I'll die. I must keep an eye on him without being noticed. <laughs> and immediately to prove her wrong, Rin opens his window and says, hey, she says, I'm going to die. So, oh, oh, it's just you. You scared me. Quit being so noisy. You're bothering people. If you've got business with your brother, then just come inside like a normal person. She says, no, my only mission is to observe. There's so much about my big brother that I can't understand since coming to this town. Like, why, like why would he call some plain, dull, nobody like you, master? <laughs> Shut up or I'll put you in the ground. You're interrupting our study session. Leave. I swear, I like brother, like sister, as he shuts the window behind him. And she's like, wait, I can't do anything. I can't see him now because the uh, the curtains are up. So she says, I'll disguise myself using my magical transformation hand mirror. So let's go. And she enters the diner <laughs> using stealth style, the perfect disguise, as she is wearing a long coat with her <laughs> fingertips aren't even able to reach past <laughs> the arms. And, uh, Got sunglasses on and a hat. I'll casually stroll in and order something. She says, one ice light uh, cafe, cafe mocha with extra milk and chocolate sauce, please, and make it a grande. <laughs> and Irene's sister says, ma'am, this is a diner. If you want a regular coffee, we have that. 
And I love her, Sarah's uh, reaction panels. It's, I mean, it's, it's a similar look the whole time, but it's just the twin tails just moving up. It's just so, so excellent. And uh, we see uh, Nosu, one of the other uh, little pillars uh, inside, and she's talking to Rin's, Rin's sister, and Sarah notes, uh, Nosu, wait, it's in the sixth pillar, Nosu Koshu of Illusions? I didn't know if she was here, too. Half of the top six pillars of the gods of chaos are gathered under this one roof. This establishment is a den of evil. <laughs> she runs away and says, sorry, I need to go. And falls down on the ground and says, what is wrong with this town? It's crazy. It's overrun with wicked gods and everyone's acting like it's no big deal. But I was able to plant a portal inside the restaurant. Now I can slip in as I please. As she opens a portal on her side, casting Astral Gate. And Rin and Izuma are talking about their relationship with each other as she appears behind him. He says, as her older brother, I'm just happy to see her doing well. And Rin looks up, seeing her head going through the portal, and says, well, at least her severed head is doing well. <laughs> and Sarah starts crying, says, big brother, so you do care about me. I knew you wouldn't change. Say the sentimental speeches for another time. How did you get through the wall? <laughs> as Rin leaves the room, like, to look at her, and says, where's her body? There's no hole in the wall. And Magu, who's been helping them as well, says, Rankless being the Nitsi. The Nitsi has the power to open holes in the astral plane to connect two locations. And the Nitsi appears, saying, Hello, and thanks for having me. It is I, the Nitsi the Astral. I am providing reconnaissance and support to new members of the Holy Knighthood. I apologize for not having introduced myself sooner. Magu says, You, a Rankless being, have sided with the Holy Knighthood. But it's a better gig than you think. Our kind tend to gravitate towards steady work. I just think it would be in my best interest to follow an heiress, and I've never had much pride to begin with. And Nabutaku joins, comes down and says, This power would be handy for going. Hmm. I like it. How about it, Astral? Care to join my mad army? Says, Sure. I can't believe. <laughs> I get off screen. I can't believe you'd agree right away. Nanitsi, you dare betray me. And then Nanitsi says, Nabu strikes me as a better deal now, so I think I might wrap myself up with him. And we get narration that says, Nanitsi the Astral is a whimsical, rankless being who excels at skirting by in the world. And leaving poor Sarah behind. Says, I know, knew I never should have trusted a wicked god. <laughs> and Rin has picked up uh, Naputaku and says, quit, quit bringing weird creatures into the house. <laughs> and Magu gets angry and says, Naputaku, you fiend. You think I'll allow you to increase your forces further? Nenitsi, inscribe your name upon this book of blood oaths and submit yourself to me. Nenitsi says, okay. But that was easy. <laughs> and Magu and Napu keep fighting over each other. Like, I, I asked him first, I asked him first. And is still stuck in the wall. As they continue fighting with one another, uh, Magu plunges Napu into one of the portals <laughs> into the back of Sarah, knocking her out of the wall. And Ruru has returned with Uneris. They had both went out shopping. And they entered a room. She has brought some uh, uh, coffee or tea to them. He says, Yoo-hoo, Rin and the Izuma, Rin fixed you some coffee. Uh, sorry for interrupting. And she sees Sarah on top of Rin. She says, uh, I'm interrupting, aren't I? So sorry. I didn't see a thing, not a thing. And she runs away. And of course, Oneris is filming the whole thing because what else is she going to do? And before she leaves, uh, obviously with some distress on her face, but like putting on a brave face for him, says, good job, Rin. N no! 
And he screams into the sky. Uh, the boy howled, his wordless sorrow echoing across the autumn sky before finally... And Uneris is talking to Nanitsi, saying, Nice going, Nini. Excellent work. He says, Glad you liked it. This poor Rin has, like, gone full Japanese horror face. And that's the end of the chapter. Um, it's a good on Ruru for being so supportive of this uh, non-existent relationship. But obviously, Rin is, has a huge thing for her. So we'll see how this goes on. Sarah has been a nice... Sarah has been a nice addition to the cast. And that is Magu-chan. So we move on to Mashal, Magic and Muscles. Chapter 84, Mash Bernadette and the Bugged Out Magic User. So the teams are now uh, six on five. Uh, Dominant is elsewhere, getting the keys. And uh, they are facing off against each other. And one of the guys has got this weird, like, not almost like Pinocchio kind of face with earmuffs on. It says, uh, We're here, uh, while we're here gathering stars, Dominus is looking for the treasure. But I guess there's no avoiding a fight. It's a pity for all of you, because now you face me. As magic erupts around him, we get reaction panels of everyone surprised. And he says, And since there's five, the odds are against you. What an interesting shtick. And poor Mesh and Dot just kind of like, what, what, what? Wait, did he just make a pun? No way, right? I mean, this is serious. There's no time for jokes. And he continues, and I, I don't know, do these people have names? I don't remember them having names brought up yet. Are they just random guys in the group? Who knows? I don't think it's brought up in this chapter either. But, uh, Weird earmuff guy says, by the way, I stayed up all night to watch where the sun went. Then it dawned on me. <laughs> and I can't figure out if Mash's face is like, it's been, it looks like it's almost been shut with duct tape, but it's more like he's just, no, no, he's, he's gritting his teeth so hard. They're like on top of each other. And it's just a weird way they're drawn. And poor Dot is also like, his mind is broken. He says, I, thinking to himself, I don't get it. Nothing he says makes sense. Who in their right mind would start spinning bad puns for no reason here? The last, those last two were just coincidence. And he, he talks again and says, I'll spring. Dot says, oh no, don't. For onions! And he freaks out. And says, please, someone make him stop. As Mash has fallen to the floor as well. Just like holding himself together. Just, please, stop. As the uh, uh, puppet warrior is activated, was that Abel or Abyss Razor? I, I can't remember which one attacked him with that. Well, who uh, one of his dolls attacks uh, a named guy. And Dot mentions, oh, that's the doll. Our time. Get him. But the guy with the earmuffs says, the toad towed the line. As Icefield activates and attacks the doll and attacks the rest of them as well, freezing their feet onto the ground. Dot says, our legs. This bad punster packs a punch. We'll need to break the ice. Huh? <laughs> It's gross. There are bugs in the eyes. And one of the other guys says, I recommend you proceed with caution. As a, this a Mortan Joe looking guy. Uh, <laughs> that's all I could think of when I was looking at it. I was like, well, instead of Mad Max, didn't you, buddy? Uh, he says, those land mites inside that ice disturb them and boom. Uh, as he explodes them for dramatic effect. They won't be 
be much of you left, I'm afraid. That says, gah, then we're as good as trapped. And that's not all. Insectus bite worm, as the Immortan Joe guy, uh, who has a name, I'm sure, creates a bunch of insects with numbers on their head. And those numbers are super important. <laughs> I not only recognized this on the second time I read through this chapter. I'll just wait. I love Nashville so much. Uh, the most fearsome carnivorous insect can devour a large mammal in under a second. Feast, my pets! And not thinking to themselves one more, once more, I let my penchant for snarky comments leave me vulnerable. I can't help but react, not to mention my explosive magic, will probably set off those land mites. Like land mites, land mines. Oh, thank you, Christian, for just now giving that. How do we beat those bugs without moving? And behind him we hear duck. As Mash is brought out as one. And he starts messing with it. Dots says, I've got a bad feeling about this. And Mortan Joe says, What is he trying to stretch out that iron wand? It looks like a cue stick. <laughs> and Mash says, Brachioradialis magic, barbarian. <laughs> As the first yellow jacket looking bug comes after him and he hits it square in the face, and we get two epic panels of the bug going back and forth like a like a ball in pool that has been bounced around the table and is hitting everything except for his friends. <laughs> and poor Mortan Joe over here just has this look of disbelief. It moves into shock. That moves into fear. <laughs> As he and his friends are all hit by these bugs. <laughs> <coughs> Lord doesn't think all that fancy ball play he was aiming for us the whole time. And uh, Mortan just says, this can't be. Does he see us as nothing more than we just billiard balls to you? And they all get forced out of the room. And the wand is smoking from the impact. And he says, Phew, I ran the table. <laughs> Poor Dot is freaking out because his hair has started smoldering from the impact of the wand hitting the bug. Is my hair okay? It's smoking. As Abel and Abyss go off to attack them, say, leave them to us. Uh, we'll regroup later, Mash Bernadette. It's a promise. And Dominus says, you weaklings won't get away. As one of the bugs comes back and almost hits him, he moves out of the way. Uh, he put a backspin on it. <laughs> and Mash says, I won't let you escape, pointing up his finger. Dominus says, oh, really? This world was handed to me on a silver platter on the day of and I'm supposed to worry about some magicless peasant? Wait, no. Hold up. Let me... Characters, this isn't... Oh my gosh. Google, would you please work with... Oh, doing this live. On the podcast. Nope. Ah, forget it. This guy says, I guess it's up to me to teach you. Reality is harsh when you're born into the wrong class. <laughs> Which Mash says, then I'll have to teach you. Everyone is equal before the law of muscles. <laughs> this is sort of the greatest comedy ever, ever brought to the world. And that's where we end our chapter. Um, so screw me. Thinking that we would have like proper matchups between everyone. Maybe we still will. But uh, I did not. My bingo card sheet. Mash uses his wand as a pull cue to cause a bunch of bugs to hit the opposing team. <laughs> Get them out of 
<laughs> ah, I love this series. I can't. I have to move on. I'm just gonna keep cackling like a hyena if I stay here. We're gonna we're gonna move to My Hero Academia, number three hundred and thirty-two, state-of-the-art hypersonic intercontinental cruise, and dot dot dot. So maybe three hundred and thirty-three will continue that. Who knows? So in a flashback, a star and stripe is bemoaning her inability to make herself stronger uh, with her quirk. Not to the point where she can't even reach All Might's level. So we're getting some limitations on it. I, I, it was mentioned before, but it's nice to get a reiteration. And she thinks that it's, you know, people are just thinking that, you know, because she's a woman, and uh, well, obviously women can't be strong at all. Blah, 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 blah. But uh, her brother, Shigaraki, says, uh, one of the pilots says, here they come. You're going to try to touch those hypersonic powder kegs? says, yeah, but that'll mean undoing my laser rule. When I do, you boys take over with concentrated firepower. And Shigaraki, as he's getting pelted with this, says, She must know that this isn't doing much to me. This united laser blast is only meant to stunlock me via relentless damage. All of which tells me she realizes that without a single attack powerful enough to vaporize me into nothing, it's all pointless. Is she waiting for something? Something even bigger punch than this? Yeah, Roger that, Star. We'll be sure to keep his cyber regen busy while you switch over to the big booms that really bring the pain. It's almost like... No. And this is Shigaraki. No, couldn't be. And yet, she must have a way. A make-or-break moment for us. It's a game of hot potato. Star says, here's the countdown. As she and her gigantic ethereal avatar. Three. Two. One. And she snatches the missiles out of the air. Says, now, before these things rip my arm off up at the elbow, new order. Tiamat is redirected. As long as the rule applies to even assist a, a single missile. And the pilots say, fire! As they send out uh, their laser blasts at Shigaraki, and she sends the missiles down using state-of-the-art hypersonic intercontinental cruise. Punch! As we get a massive explosion, and the jets are forced back from the impact, and the clouds have parted, and on the shore, Endeavor has noticed that something is going up, so he has fled. So my guess was Hawks would be the first one to show up, but it looks like it's Endeavor. And from the impact of her own blow, Star and Stripe is uh, pushed back, and we see this gigantic crater And as the waters are parting in the ocean. And she looks down, but in a oof, big bit of nightmare fuel here, uh, Shigaraki, as he's regenerating himself and on fire, and one of his eyes seems to be on fire as well, is jumping out of it, and he thinks to himself, I, and she thinks to herself, I can control. But he's thinking, I knew she was preparing something big for me. Our little back and forth thus far told me new order can only affect two things at once, so I also knew that the situation was about to shift. The instant that shift came, I wasted no time in using decay to tunnel into the earth. It was a gamble that relied on the exact timing. If I had run and hid before the big something hit, she would have caught me in the act and adapted. A second's delay would have been a fatal error. Uh, oh, no, he was... Uh, in narration, saying, I can control my decay effects. So, my bad on that. And one of the pilots says, he used a Nomo as a decoy. I'm just playing along with your nasty game of hot potato. The pilot's saying, starting support, back into formation, give her a place to stand. Chigaraki says out loud, up against anyone but me, that move would have finished the job. But you came up short for once, and you're taking that loss to the grave. Me and myself make better use of your resources. The pilot says, suck it to a star, because after all that damage... She's thinking, not, not 
generating too quickly. My craft going, and the pilot says, my craft going bloom should blow into bits. Like he's willing to sacrifice himself. And if you remember, like, actually first met all these dudes, like, hey guys, hey bros, we're all going to die, right? And he's begging you, star, but she can't bring herself to do it. And because of that hesitation, Shigaraki gets a hand on her head, which I called. I'm just saying, as much as I'm right, uh, excuse me, as much as I'm wrong, <laughs> I do get a couple of things right. But that's what happens when you throw a bunch of things against the wall, see what sticks. And that's the end of the chapter. So I think last week I speculated that this would, uh, she's had enough time to potentially make a new rule. Maybe even two, if she gives up the super strength again. I think, no, no, she's already gotten rid of that. I think in this fight. Um, so I was trying to remember what else I had speculated on. It's like, uh, you know, if my quirk is taken, it's not effective. Or if my quirk is taken, like the uh, abilities of the Steeler are uh, like lessened or rendered inoperative. So I I'm, I'm sticking to my guns on that. I'm thinking she's either going to make it to where this quirk can't be stolen. Or if it can, it's like it's not going to work the way it's supposed to. So like it's going to be a pyrrhic victory, because I mean, unfortunately, we're 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 going to lose Star and Stripe. I, I I believe that. I mean, with the way she is, with the way her quirk works, like this is setting up like no one is going to be able to take out Shigaraki except for Deku. And at this point, even that is looking kind of shady. Uh, the power creep in this series is very real. But I still have faith that we're getting out of this. Uh, I think that's about all I have to say on that. That's all I got to say on that. So we're going to move on to One Piece, uh, chapter uh, 1031, Warrior of Science. So after last chapter where I was not very positive at all, uh, I, I mean, maybe a, a bit too negative on my part, like, I will... Yeah, I'll, I'll fess up to that. Uh, this is a turnaround I needed. <clears throat> so we get to start. Big Mom was taken down by the suddenly awakened devil fruit powers of Kid Law. And we get some reaction from the, some of the pirates around. She got crushed by the iron beams. Even Big Mom couldn't have survived that. Like, yeah, sure. And uh, about the law. And... <clears throat> Yeah. Sorry, I lost my place. Law and Kid are both panting because they were like, it took a lot of to do that and potentially take her out in that one move. But we see the girders moving around as Big Mom gets up. She says, Life or Oshiruku. They say, Oh no, that's a soul, uh, soul pokers. And they're like, Oh, we have some. Uh, oh no, it got spilled. She takes their life away from them to not only empower herself, but also uh, Hera and Napoleon. And I uh, was the third member. And she says, now I give you life. I'll give you a year of my lifespan. Anything less won't serve the strength in me. As Big Mom grows in size, even to become even more massive. And she says, I haven't felt this much pain in decades, I think. That's very impressive, you two. Excuse me. 
Trafalgar Law, Captain Kidd, I'm sure you've come for my throne, just like Straw Hat Luffy. So take it if you can. Prove being an emperor of the sea. Well, says, can't believe I have to beat this monster, just so I can learn more about history. Uh, Kid says, don't hold any strength back as long as you still live. We're going to bring her down, even if it kills us. Let me see. She's just got gotten massive. Oh, yes, this is a good look for her. And we go over to uh, Drake and Apu, who are still debating what they should do, as Yamato appears. And, and she's asking them what they're doing there. And they both try to finagle with her. <clears throat> but she's having none of their BS, and she leaves. Uh, and it seems like of the three uh, members that are with uh, what's it up? Yeah, with Apu, uh, they are heading after her. One of them is heading after her. And my thoughts on this was it seemed kind of weird. Why would he do this? Potentially. And this is crazy conspiracy board time. I was thinking, what? Well, how many samurai were in there in prison with her when uh, Kaido was telling her idea to think that she could be Odin? Were there three samurai in prison with her? Could this potentially be them in like some weird shape or form? Like, obviously molded into a different appearance? Or am I just like completely off base? So, yeah, there's that. Here's another one. Put it down on the tally of Christian was wrong for the future. As both, uh, as we flash over to Robin and Brooke, as they are both running away. Uh, from they've learned that CP0 is there to take them down, uh, especially her. Obviously, with her knowledge of the Poneglyphs. And, uh, oh, I don't remember. Do we know this character's name? I'll figure it out later. So we flash over to the Pleasure Hall, uh, Left Brain Tower, Skulldome, and we see several women berating Sanji, and I was super confused when I first read this. Uh, so I think... I have some speculation on what this means later on. And they're berating Sanji for apparently running over a woman on the way over there. And they're, they're accusing him of hitting a woman. He says, me, hit a lady. That's the one thing I do. And Queen has come back. Still smoking. Right, it's always for him. Oh, I love this series. So glad this, this chapter turned the Pleasure Hall is not open for business, Germa. Is it Germa or Germa? I can never remember. I haven't watched the anime at that point, so I've only ever seen it written down. I'll flip-flop between the two, as per usual. And Sanji's thinking to himself, my body's not itching anymore. Is the transformation over? I remember that I was running along, deep in thought. And he, here's a woman saying, I'm not Kaido's henchman, I swear. I'm just a geisha who was brought from the flower capital to entertain. Please let me go. And he's thinking that in the next moment, she'd been knocked through the air and it was bleeding badly. She was looking at me with fear in her eyes. Tell me, Luffy, which would you prefer? The regular flesh and blood me, who turns into a helpless wreck whenever I face an opponent who's a woman. Or a cruel, cold, emotionless warrior of science, who can crush even monsters like him, as long as you give me the order. Which one's going to be more useful to the King of Pirates? And he says out loud, I've made up my mind. And he brings out the uh, number three, 
can. And Queen says, ooh, is that your German suit? Your German suit? After assuming that this thing caused a science, uh, uh, Sanji says, that was already in my body to awaken and activate somehow. Well, I can't do anything about that. As he crushes it under his foot, uh, erupts into a blaze, but I can say no more. I'm not going to become a German soldier. Oh, what a waste. Come on, I want to see you transform. And he thinks to himself, farewell, Germa. Farewell, women's bath. This is one fight I've got to end myself. <laughs> so, and he picks up a snail from his hand, one of the uh, special uh, communications they have. But before we go on, uh, I don't... I didn't know how to feel when I first read this. Uh, it's kind of weird, the, 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 uh, the placement and the flashback to him potentially running over this woman. It felt out of place. It felt kind of janky. But I'm guessing, and I don't know who specifically would have been behind this, but someone is trying to make him think he ran over a woman. Now, it could even be someone who's working on their side so that he would reject the armor and the suit. And this would be what pushes him over the edge. Or maybe it was someone working against him who was trying to make him take it on and therefore become corrupted by it. Uh, like, I don't... It just feels... It's very jarring, is the word I'm looking for, for uh, the way this happened through the panels of him running over this poor woman, if that happened at all. And it feels to me like it didn't even... And maybe he's being messed with mentally. Maybe someone's implanted false memories. But it's... If that... It's still weird how it's being... Although, to be fair, uh, it would feel weird to him, too, because he see, doesn't feel like it happened. Like, he's wondering, like, why are they all mad at me? If he ran over a woman, like Sanji being Sanji, would definitely be aware, like, oh, no, that's, like, my one thing I won't do. Which is why I'm coming up with these weird how it could possibly be true that he did or that he thought he did. So that's a toss-up. We'll see what actually happens. You know, you know, as negative as I was last time, in Oda we trust. Uh, so we get outside the dome, Zolo versus... Uh, God, dang it. I hate that translation. Zoro versus King. I can't believe I said that dreaded word. Uh, sorry about that. I had my internet go down on me. So I don't know exactly where I left off. I'll have to look, uh, listen to the audio. So here's what I'm just going to say. Like, uh, I went on a whole huge spiel about... Sanji uh, potentially being manip uh, mentally manipulated into thinking he ran over a woman, or like maybe being in the rush of battle, just accidentally running over someone, and about it. So I think I th I'm going to lean towards he's being manipulated. So there's that. So he contacted Zoro with a snail he planted on him, um, asking him to kill him in case things went wrong. I think this is about potentially where it may have cut me off. So. Uh, Sanji uh, Zoro says, don't die before then. And Sanji says, thanks. As he activates his attack, Hell and Queen looking around is like, huh, where'd he go? Is this more science, son of judge? I'm already, and Sanji says, I'm already burning up. I don't need you throwing more fuel on the fire. Hell memories. As he kicks Queen out of the park. Wow. What a place for my internet to go down, like right before I was about to end this whole recording. <laughs> Wow, One Piece. One Piece, uh, Oda definitely redeemed themselves in my eyes uh, after last chapter. 
I don't know too much about what I want to speculate on outside of what I've talked about before and my insane conspiracy theories. So I believe with that, uh, we are done for the evening or whenever you're listening to this. I should just like pick a time and say, you know, when you're listening to this at you know, 3.17 a.m. in the morning, as everyone does. Um, wow. Uh, what a very fun we had from Shonen Jump this week. It's sent to the comic section, so I'll do a Marvel Comics uh, section and uh, a manhwa after that. Uh, you know, depending, you know, since I'm splitting them up anyways, and normally I should be able to record on either Monday night or Tuesday night for the manga, you know, depending on how I'm feeling after work. So there's that. Uh, I don't believe we have anything else uh, pertaining to... Yeah, pertaining anything else about the manga we need to talk about, so I will settle for this. Uh, once again, we are Starving Writers Guild. We are at starvingwritersguild.com. We are here to help you uh, if you are trying to uh, self-publish your work or independently publish using the correct terminology. I'll have this down pat one day uh, as well. Our books are on Amazon and our website as well. That is MC Ashley, John Alexander, and Barbara Page. Please help us out with the podcast by sharing us with friends, by letting anyone around you know. I mean, I'm not going to stop you that way. The more people involved, the better. Uh, if you'd like to contact us, definitely go through the website as well. I played with Twitter. I'm I'm not that great at it. We are It's the exact long name that you can find here, Starving Writers Guild Anime, Manga, and Comics Podcast. So feel free to retweet anything I send out. Become a friend or follower. Is that what Twitter is? Followers, yes. <laughs> Says uh, uh, rocking back and forth in his chair on his porch, trying to get the dang kids off my lawn. No, you on the out there. <laughs> and as well, if you'd like to help us out too, please leave us a five-star review on your, at the moment, Apple Podcasts. Like I said, I'm still figuring out how to bring this onto other networks as well. Uh, thank you all for your time, and I will see you in a bit. Until next time. See ya.